welcome. And if you are a child in the room, you're always welcome here, but you're also, if you didn't know, we do have kids ministry happening uh, right now. They do a lesson uh, that's tailored for your age. I want to begin by, oh, I should introduce myself. Uh, my name is Brian. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Sandy and I are married. We love doing life uh, together and doing ministry together uh, as well. So I wanted to begin this morning with a question. If you could tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Is there a song coming to anybody's head? I want to know, like, what do you really want in life? Well, I'll tell you what I really want. I want to influence as many people as I possibly can. I don't know if it's because I uh, love the attention or if it's because I like success or uh, if I like control or whatever it is, uh, God has wired me in such a way that I like to influence people. I love it when I get to teach somebody something and then I see them doing it and living it out. I love it when um, I can, you know, give somebody some advice and they actually, like, do something about it that, that you know, fits in line with so something that I told them. So maybe that's not your thing. Maybe... Uh, Maybe you're looking for fun and adventure. You just, you know, you're always looking for the next cool thing to do. Uh, you know, like one of those high adventure sorts of things. Maybe you're something, somebody that's more like looking for love. You're looking for a relationship that will just satisfy you and make you feel like, yes, this is it. I have somebody that loves me and I love them. Well, whatever it is, whatever you dream about, whatever you think about, in terms of what you really, really want. These are the things that we long for, the things that we thirst for deep down in our kind of guts, if I can say that. And we think that somehow the things in this world that we do, that we pursue, will somehow satisfy those desires. Somehow, if I can just have enough fun, then my life will be happy. Or if I can find the right person, the one person that we can just love each other and everything will be just right. Well, in today's story, we're going to see a woman who was looking for love in all the wrong places. Anybody, 80s song, come up? Yeah, okay, you young people, you can go up home and look that up. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, I don't know how many more songs I can sneak in today, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, our story comes from John chapter 4. Uh, if you want to open up your Bibles uh, and join me, we're going to start in verse 7, uh, John chapter 4. I will also put it up on the screen here. She, she's already got it up there. Nice job, Kathy. Well done. Uh, this is part of our series on believing or believe. Uh, John tells us why he has written the book of John. And at the end, in uh, chapter 20, or near the end, uh, chapter 20, verse 31, he says, all of these things are written so that you may believe. And that by believing, you will have an abundant or full life. And so chapter 1, uh, we had Pastor Maurice here uh, preaching and telling us that really, if we're going to believe, we have to start with repentance. And then in week two, we talked about how we can believe that God is enough for us, no matter what we do. 
And then uh, last week in chapter 3, we just talked about believing in general. So here we are in John chapter 4. Jesus is traveling with his disciples. They're going from the southern part of Judea, uh, and they're going up to the northern part called Galilee. And it says that they had to go through Samaria. And it says he was really tired, so he sat down at a well. And we'll pick up the story here in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? Jews don't associate with Samaritans. John gives us a little tip there. This is interesting because a simple request for water brings this surprise for this woman and this hesitation, like, what's going on? Her response highlights that Jesus is crossing two, at least two social cultural barriers uh, that were in play during this time in the world. So John tells us Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Samaritans were the people uh, occupying Israel when Israel came back from exile. So you can imagine if they're occupying your house or your land, you wouldn't be very happy. And so this caused some tension. And occasionally there would be skirmishes that would rise up between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so if you could avoid it, and a lot of people did, they would literally, Jews would literally walk around Samaria. If they had to go from, Ga- from Judea up to Galilee, they would literally walk around uh, Samaria to avoid one another. The second, uh, so that's the first cultural, social barrier that shows up here. The second uh, that we see actually shows up later in verse 28. Uh, when the disciples come back, they're surprised that Jesus is talking to a woman. Blow your mind up. I know today... We talk to each other all the time. But back then, women and men did not talk to each other, or at least that was the social norm. But Jesus keeps going despite these oddities, and he says and answers her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. This is a little odd. Jesus seems to flip things around, suggesting that if she somehow knew this information, the gift of God, if she knew who it is that she's talking to, well, then somehow she would receive this living water, is what he calls it. Now, this definitely would have been appealing for her because she had to go to the well every single day to get water. And Jesus uses this word living that our our Bibles translate as living. And Uh, in some ways, the people of that day, the ancient Near East culture, would have maybe heard sort of breath or life like we hear today. But it can also mean running water or moving water. So if you think about that, moving water is fresher than water that's sort of standing and can sort of stagnate over time. And they thought the same thing. If you were going to choose between moving water and standing water, clearly you would choose the moving water. It was fresher. So she would have been interested in this. Yeah, where's this living water? I'll take it. It's got to be better than what I'm getting out of this well. 
So she's interested, but she's a little confused. She says in verse 11, Sir, which indicates some level of respect, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? I sort of imagine this is sort of Captain Obvious sorts of you know, comments, like, clearly you don't have anything to get some water, and there's a really deep well here. Are you crazy? But then she engages his question about the identity, about who he is. She says, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? To which Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water bubbling up or welling up to eternal life. So the woman's uh, response reveals that she is still thinking about physical water because she says to him, Sir, give me this water. So that I won't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to this well. That'd be great. Clearly, Jesus and this woman are talking past one another. The woman, of course, is thinking, wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to come back to this well? I mean, all of us. If I didn't have to do as much work for my daily life. Sign me up, right? I'm in. And at the same time, she could be thinking, maybe this guy isn't really in touch with reality. Clearly, he doesn't have a bucket. But Jesus is talking about something completely different. Not only is he talking about a living water that will quench your thirst, it will become a spring bubbling up welling up and it will give you eternal life now we touched on this a little bit last week uh, when we were talking about john uh, nicodemus jesus and nicodemus eternal life that word eternal actually means never ending there's no beginning there's no end another way you could translate that would be a life of the ages or, I think if we put it in common colloquial language, living your best life. And who doesn't want to live their best life, right? I want to live my best life. You want to live your best life. The question is, how do we live our best life? Well, Jesus said, if you knew, says this to the woman, if you knew the gift of God, and who you're talking to, then you could ask. And you could receive this eternal life, this living water. Our problem is that she didn't know the gift of God, and she didn't know who this Jesus guy was. And the question is, do we? Do we know 
who this Jesus guy is? And do we know the gift of God and what it is that God offers us? Sadly, I think we're too often like the woman. Or we either don't know what the gift of God is or we misunderstand what the gift of God is. Or we don't really know who Jesus is. We have sort of a faint idea who Jesus is. Or worse yet, we create a Jesus in our own image that reflects what we want Jesus to be. The truth is that just like this woman, we need to answer both questions. What is the gift of God and who is Jesus? And then we too can receive the living water, that best life. So, what's the gift of God? Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we're not going there today. Uh, You can figure it out on your own, though, by reading ahead in the Gospel of John. And John chapter 7 will actually tell you what the gift of God is. So now you have your homework for the week. Uh, Continuing on our story, seems to take a bit of a turn. In verse 16, Jesus says, Go, call your husband and come back. To which she says, I have no husband. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you're with right now, not your husband. What you have said is quite true. To cut to the chase here, what I think is happening here is Jesus is revealing where she has been going to try to satisfy her thirst. She has this longing for love. And she thinks, and many of us think this, that somehow if I find the right relationship, if I find the right person, then somehow I'm going to be satisfied. My thirsts are going to be satiated or satisfied. We do that all the time with all sorts of things. I mean, I think about how many different things that we try to satisfy our thirst. I mean, there's countless things. I thought about my own life. Uh, when I was young, it was sports. I was so into sports. I dreamed about being a professional baseball player or a professional football player. Sort of laughable today because I have these things. And uh, I was diagnosed uh, legally blind in my left eye. So it's kind of hard to hit a baseball or to do anything that needs any sort of hand-eye coordination, and that's most of professional sporting world. But, hey, you know, I think this is so true for our youth. They get so ingrained in the sports world. Sports is everything. Someday I'm going to do this or that. I'm going to be the best. Pick Pick the sport. And adults, we feed into this. We spend all sorts of time and money to try to get our kids to the sporting events. And, you know, most people never make it to play college, let alone get to professional sports. And then let's, you know, let's say that you did make it to professional sports, kids. Ask a professional athlete about their physical body and how much they hurt. I was watching the Kelsey documentary uh, over the past couple weeks, and Jason Kelsey, center, I think he's a center for the Eagles, is trying to figure out whether or not he's going to come back, and he's constantly talking about how much pain he has. 
Is that your best life? To live in pain, constant pain? I guess that's for you to answer. I remember in college, I was all about the fun. Fun, 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 not that kind of fun. Okay, just to be clear. I was out there to have as many experiences as I could. I wanted to be the life of the party. Let's have fun. Let's go do that. Let's go take a road trip. Let's do all the things that we can, and we're just going to have fun. Woohoo! As a seven on the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that, I'm still a bit of a thrill seeker today. I like to do new things. I hate doing the same thing over and over and over again. I want to do something new. But I tell you what, as many things as I've gotten to experience in life, there's always something more that I want to try. It doesn't fully satisfy. After college, I got into my career. I wanted to have the best ministry out there. I wanted to have the most number of people involved in my college ministry. I wanted to have the most number of people who are deciding to follow Jesus. As a pastor, I want to have the biggest church in the world. Okay, maybe not going to happen, but uh, you know what? None of those things satisfied either. No matter how much we seek these different things, and you could, you know, I'm throwing out three different things for me. You could put any number of things that you try to put in there, that you seek after to find satisfaction, to find that thirst, to, long, to fulfill that thirst that you have. Nothing here on earth is going to satisfy. The truth is that Jesus is the only one, the only person who brings true satisfaction in life. And I want you to know the gift of God, and I want you to know God so that you can believe that Jesus is the one who can fully satisfy you in whatever you do in life, and so you can live your best life. That's what I want for all of us, myself included. Now, I have some caveats. This is not a prosperity message. doesn't mean like, hey, God wants everything to go perfect in your life. You're not going to have any more problems. Sorry to tell you this, but the Bible is full of stories of people who suffered, and that's how they actually got to know God better. Sometimes that's how things work. It might not be exactly how you imagine, exactly how our culture tells you your best life is going to live out, but I think I can tell you I've, I think I've lived long enough now, I'm not, I'm not overly old, but I think I've lived long enough now that I can say when I am doing the things that Jesus wants me to do, my life is so much better. When I'm following Jesus, when I'm getting to know Jesus more, my life is better. I may still have things that I struggle with, suffer, you know, take that as it is because I'm an American. I'm not experiencing true suffering, um, but I've, I've had my struggles. But when I'm with Jesus... I find that he's enough for me. And I also want to say a word about sports. I went down on that a little bit. Uh, sports are great things. We can learn so many things about God, about ourselves. There are so many good things out there. And any of the things that you would fill in the blank, you know, for what you go after, that you thirst for, most of those things are not inherently bad. They're great things that God has given us. And we can enjoy them. So let's enjoy them, but let's not put them in the place of God. 
let's make sure that God is first in our lives. And then we can have all sorts of fun, playing sports, living it up, doing all the fun things. Those are good things. All right, uh, the story continues. Jesus goes on to reveal that he is the Messiah, which elicits this response in verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food while we were gone? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four more months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look the fields. They are ripe for harvest. A couple things I want us to notice here. Uh, one is, this woman is so excited about her experience with Jesus her encounter with Jesus, she literally leaves her water jar, runs off to the town to tell other people about this good news, that she's met this guy, the Messiah. Could this be? Meanwhile, I want us to notice the disciples. What are they focused on? They're focused on their earthly hunger. They're focused on Jesus's hunger. Jesus, you got to take care of yourself. We got to take care of ourselves. We're tired. We've been traveling. We've got a long way to go. We're only halfway there. They're focused on all the things that are immediately around them and the things that they need. And you know what? Sometimes I find that I'm like the woman. I have this experience with Jesus, and I'm so excited. I run around telling people about Jesus. I'm super pumped about Jesus, and I want you to hear about how awesome Jesus is. But there are other times that I'm like the disciples. I'm focused on satisfying my own thirst or my own hunger. I got things to take care of my house. I got things to take care of my work. I got to do this. I got a whole list of things that I got to do this week. I don't have time to tell people about Jesus. I got to do stuff. And I wonder how often when we're in that place like the disciples that we miss out on what God's doing right around us. We miss out on an opportunity to experience God. The truth is there are people in your school, in your neighborhood, at your work, people that you see on a daily basis at the activities that you do, sporting events, all sorts of things. There are people who don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the gift of God. And they would love it if you would invite them to meet him to experience their best life. You see, if Jesus can satisfy our deepest thirsts, I'm willing to bet that he can satisfy all of our friends, relatives, neighbors, acquaintances, their deepest thirsts. So how do we increase our belief? That's what our whole series is about, belief, knowing uh, God, how do we get to know what the gift of God is? How do we get to know who Jesus really is and not fashion him into something that we want to create? Well, I'm going to keep this simple. 
Keep reading the book of John. I already told you, you read up to chapter 7, through chapter 7, you're going to find out what the gift of God is. You get that? Keep reading through the whole book of John, and you're going to get to know who Jesus is. You're going to get to know more of who Jesus is. You get a better picture of who this Jesus is. You can jump into a Bible study. There are a number of Bible studies that we have at church uh, here that are studying the book of John. Uh, And you can talk about these things and wrestle with these things of what it might look like in your life. If we do these things, if you do these things, maybe we'll be a little bit more like the woman at the well. We'll be excited about what God is doing in our world and in our lives. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for a drink, then you would have. So maybe if you know, then you will. If you know God, then you will live your best life and invite others to do it as well. It doesn't have to be complicated. I was hanging out with a friend this week and uh, asked him how things are going. And he went on and on about all the things that he had going on that day. And then he said, but the biggest thing I had going on is I had this huge insurance problem. Such a mess. He said, I started praying, and things just started to fall into place. God took care of it. He was so excited. He couldn't wait to tell me about it. You see, God's stories are contagious. And I was excited for him. You see, here in John chapter 4, in verse 39, which I don't have on the screen, Kathy, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And that's what we want to do at this church. We want to tell people about Jesus. We want to remind each other about who Jesus is because Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy our deepest longings, our deepest thirsts. And then we want to invite as many people as we can to experience that and to live their best life as we're helping one another live our best life. Let's pray. God, thanks uh, for your word that reminds us where we can find satisfaction for the things that we long for. Thank you that we have a group of people here that want to encourage one another to find that satisfaction in you. Help us to teach one another about you. Help us to encourage one another to go to you when we are longing for something. Help us to be a church that invites people to experience you. Amen.